when we're looking at this goal. Like there are big rocks, there are little rocks, and then there's sand. What are the biggest rocks we can look at? So the impact is the highest and the, the lift is the lowest. Hi, I'm Nil Spinya, and you're listening to the B2B Leadership Podcast, a show dedicated to demystifying leadership development one conversation at a time. Each week, I sit down with leaders in the B2B space to discuss their journey and what they've learned along the way. This podcast is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous. And the B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard. You just need a guide and the right set of tools. So head on over to b2bleadersacademy.com to join and become the leader you have always wanted to be. Hello and welcome to another episode of the B2B Leadership Podcast. My name is Nils Vinya, and today my guest is Sean McPherson. Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Hey, I'm excited to have you on as a guest. Sean, would you please share with me and our audience the role that you're in today and the company that you work for? Absolutely. So I'm Sean McPherson. I'm the Vice President of Customer Success and Experience over at a company called Alice. So what we do at Alice is we work with B2B companies to help streamline, scale, and measure their gifting and swag programs across all the different lifecycle moments from marketing to customer success. I've been with Alice for a little over three years now. We've been growing like crazy, so we're always actively hiring. And then at, at Alice, we also really love the practice, the five to nine. And a little bit about me on, on the personal side, I am a track and field coach at a local university in Boston. And as well, I'm also an endurance coach for many aspiring triathletes and runners of all ages. All right. So, so you got to break it down for me in terms of the company culture side. You, you mentioned the five to nine. So do you, do you guys talk about this as like nine to five and the five to nine? Like what is your focus in each of these areas kind of thing? Yeah. At the end of the day, like one of the biggest things we talk about at Alice and even with our, our product itself is we're all humans at the end of the day. We definitely have nine to fives and we absolutely have five to nines and they're not always separate. And we want to embrace that because that's who we are as people. That's also where we're, we're learning from a lot of those experiences in our lives, whether it's from our little ones, our pets, or, or just kind of our day-to-day experiences. So we do embrace that. And it's also like, how do we be more human with each other? I mean, how do we give back to, to the community? That's really wonderful. And I love that, you know, you can be a fast-growing company and you've been there for several years and still you can embrace an incredible culture where you value things outside of what is going on at at the company because sometimes that can get overlooked a little bit yes absolutely can especially in a, a world full of remote well right because there technically is no boundary so why should we stop when there's no physical or you know mental unless you put it in place reason to stop it's just always there right exactly <laughs> the dog may be in the background <laughs> you help the employees and the team recognize that boundaries are important and to the point that you made which i think is really important is that you learn things from both sides that impact the other there's no there's no more mutually exclusive your work life and your home life anymore. It just doesn't really exist in the world today. 30, 40, 50 years ago, yes, absolutely it existed. But today 
It is. Everything has bled together. So finding those outlets, appreciating them, having support from your company to recognize that they appreciate and support you doing that, and that you're going to learn stuff about yourself and your job when you're not doing your job. That's the best part. Exactly. Love it. Cool. All right. So Sean, take us back in time and tell me a little bit about how you got into your first leadership position. Yeah, definitely. And it's it's kind of funny because when I reflect on this, I actually bring it all the way back. And I mentioned I was a track and field coach earlier. It's my athletic career and how that translated into the same types of successful strategies leading up into my leadership career. So a little bit about that. On the track, I was fortunate enough to be a captain early on in my collegiate career. And I realized after that fact, and this was by design, I wasn't the best performer or I wasn't the most outspoken by far, but what I focused on was developing the people around me. So whether I was an expert in that discipline or not, I was really focused on helping them realize their potential, set those milestones, set those goals, kind of just triangulate the team around me. So we're all collectively. This was this was at the time in undergrad when you were actually a member of the team. This was the approach that you took. Yes. I got more enjoyment out of watching my team hit their goals than myself individually hitting my goals. Interesting. Okay. So how did that get started? Because you're on a team, it's competitive at a collegiate level. It's no joke, right? There's a lot going on. And was there a particular incident or some point in time where you said, you know what, this is, I could have an opportunity to help somebody. And wow, that actually is an awful lot more interesting and engaging than just focusing on myself. Yeah, it was, I mean, goes back even a little bit further too, is I think I realized this in, in track and field, there's an event called the four by four and four by eight meters. So you're on a team of four folks and essentially your success is the collective of the team. So if you get 10 seconds on each athlete, that gives you 40 seconds. Getting 40 seconds with a singular athlete or me just focusing on 40 seconds, that's a really, really hard task. I would probably have to run a world record time to get there. <laughs> so that was something that stuck with me when I started saying, hey, this actually applies to the whole team collectively. Track and field isn't necessarily an individual sport. It also is a, a massive team sport. And if everyone gets a little bit better each time, that that actually speaks volumes in terms of just me getting better in my one event. So that's kind of like where I had that aha moment for myself. Yeah, that's fascinating. And was that present in your life up to that point? Or, you know, did certain things shape that once you got into that situation? Things definitely shaped that. Definitely was not born with that. I had to learn it over time through failure. I think like a perfect example there was we lost an event it was actually a relay race that we lost. And I remember being fairly upset that we lost, feeling like I did the best I could possibly do. Why did we lose? This was everyone else around me. And that was kind of like being introspective and just learning from that. It was like, hey, like it doesn't matter how good the individual does. It matters how good the collective team does. So just because I had an amazing race, because Joe didn't have one over here and Tom didn't have one on this leg, like we collectively didn't do well. And at the end of the day, we, we win as a team and we, we lose as a team. And that was an interesting moment for me. And I actually had a coach that pointed that out to me. 
um, which that was a learning that I've, I share the story all the time. And it's, it's a story that I, I talk to a lot of folks about, especially younger folks in their career or even growing in their, their leadership career in, in business too, is it's about the team. It's not about you. I see, and that's a really powerful story and what a great time to learn that early on when you were in your college career inside of an environment. And then, as you said, you actually started helping other people achieve their goals and set their goals. Tell us a little bit about the evolution of that because you don't just go from, well, I'm you know running my race today to now all of a sudden, hey, let me help you. Like, How did that evolve and how did you become the person they probably all soon went to for help with setting goals and achieving things? Yeah, and I'll kind of translate this into like how this this started playing out in business too, because I think that's it's always like an interesting transition. It's like how you take those athletic learnings that you have in your personal life to the business life. I was in sales a long time ago, and that's a very individual style role. One of the things I, I also started realizing in sales too is you still are a team. There's the collective number, whether you have a quota and your paychecks aligned to that. It doesn't matter because the business is, is we're here to elevate the business. And honestly, everyone's happier when the business is doing well. It doesn't matter that Sean had an amazing day or an amazing quarter. So that was something that was also interesting to me in my career. And I started applying that same mentality that I had back from, from um, Coach Bob was the, the coach. So I started thinking about that and how do I apply that same logic? So I want to deal this way or, or we upsold the, a customer this way. Great. How do I share those learnings? How do we figure out the system that's working? Even though I'm just in an, an account executive or an account manager role, how do I start figuring out how do we systematize this so the greater team can figure out the same thing I'm doing and then I can go figure out the next thing? Because it's great. I figured out that one thing. Let's scale that. And now let's figure out the next thing. And that started actually like really turning into a flywheel for me getting a lot of opportunities in, in the business itself in terms of what are these new projects? What are these new initiatives? So just by nature of that, I was viewed as a leader, even though I was an individual contributor. It's so important to lead by example to, to really get into leadership roles too. I mean, it's a great example of how even in a seemingly individual contributor world, a la most of what we would consider the sales world to be, it's still a team sport. And and bringing those learnings you had from track and field and working with others and seeing the, the wins and the ahas and the insights, but sharing them and figuring out how to solve the problem of how do we get the whole team to do it this way, just opened the doors and, and opportunity was there. Right. And that's really that's really wonderful. So let's fast forward a little bit. And as you were rising through the ranks in your leadership career, I know you still do some coaching on the side and track and field and whatnot. We'd love to hear, you know, let's draw some parallels between the work you do coaching in the in the five to nine that immediately translates into the work you do coaching in the nine to five. <laughs> yeah. A really good example of this is, and it's very common with a lot of athletes. I also use this example a lot because it was my aha moment for, for leadership with like goal setting and all of that and just trying to figure out how do we get there. So in my role as a track and field coach, we scout and recruit talent to join our team. One, that's super exciting for the athlete when we scout them and they recruit them onto the team. You're generally firing on all of those cylinders because you're a top performer in that moment. But guess what? You just entered a new league. 
So just like we can do when you move up to like a manager or a director, like there are new expectations. So a lot of new athletes that take this challenge have this wave of, I'm going to be the best athlete in this new bracket. And then, uh-oh, a couple months later, you start to realize, wow, this is a new league. Things are different. People around me are performing at a different level. And I don't know how I can catch up. Then you hit discouragement. So I had an athlete that this exact scenario happened to, to them. So their first year, they joined the team thinking they could do the same things, be on the same path, and it would all work out the same. They'd be that top performer. This was somebody transitioning from being a high school track and field exactly, star, yeah. probably top in the state or something like that. And then going into the college level and they get on team with perhaps probably some pretty high expectations because they've been knocking it out of the park all through high school. And that's this point at which you got involved with them. Yeah. So that first year, he was a lone wolf, essentially. So he came into our team. He was top in the state, top in the region in high school. Then he went about his business that first year his own way. We let him fail. We knew what was going to happen. We weren't going to be able to put a plan in front of him and he would adjust. He had to experience that pain first to really realize and start buckling down. So we, we did let him go on that path. He ended up honestly getting last place in a, in a race that he, at the beginning of the year, said he would be first place in. No, that's a rude awakening right there. <laughs> yeah, it's a really tough pill to swallow. And they, they missed their goals. And that's when they started saying, like, what's going on here? What's the root of my problem? There was really two things with this athlete. Is one, they didn't have a goal. It was just maintaining, but punching at a bit higher in a weight class. So... In terms of like for them is they wanted a reduction in time, but they didn't want to change the way they they went about the problem or they went about tackling their day to day. Two, because they didn't have a goal, they didn't have a plan to incrementally improve. So therefore they they got really overwhelmed by the end of the season. And they realized I can't climb Mount Everest in a day. That's a really hard pill to swallow. And that's that's something a lot of folks run into when you when you think about lofty goals. Yeah. And and everybody's experienced that, right? Goal setting and goal achievement is a lifelong iterative process to get better and better. In the beginning, everybody sets the Everest goal and everybody makes it nowhere near base camp one, like not even barely off the, you know, off the ground floor. Right. And and it is such an adjustment process. Okay, so what happened with this individual come year two, sophomore year now, having gone through the pain and the sting of, you know, coming in last place and something he thought he would dominate and just not knowing where to go? What did he do? Yeah. So that's where we started interjecting it from a coaching team and started saying, okay, great. We've had this failure. We've, what do we learn from it? First of all. And we had the reckoning. I was like, we learned that like we need a plan and to make sure we're, we're creating the correct plan. We do need to have a goal in mind, whether it's crazy aspirational or not, we need something to drive towards. So in this case, he wanted to keep the goal the same, which is great really lofty goal. He wants to be the best in, in, in the region. He wants to qualify for the NCAA heat, which means it was a time-based goal. And we had about a year to do this. So we sat down, started whiteboarding out, what are these key milestones we need to hit to be able to hit that? What's really key here is for the individual, you really need to focus this on, on short, tangible wins in track progress. And you also need to leave a little bit of room for failure and learning because you're not always going to set the perfect plan out of the gate. The way we structure things and 
this practice, for example, was we went eight week cycles and the first goal is great. We're just going to get conditioned for a baseline run. And by the end of this eight week period, we're going to run at this pace for 60% of the race. And that's going to tell us where we currently are. And then we're going to figure out, okay, where do we need to work next? Like, do we need to work on endurance of the event in total, or do we need to work on like really leveraging the kick? So we started one, we celebrate the wins, like, cause we want to build that momentum because business and athletics, like every day matters. It's all about putting in as much as you can every single day, because you got to get that cadence going or else you're going to be trying to climb Mount Everest on the last day. Right. <laughs> Which we know isn't going to work. <laughs> yeah, it's just not going to work. So we broke everything out in those eight-week intervals. So we knew by the time we were about a month out, we were on a really good track and we were going to hit that goal. We were so confident that he was going to knock it out of the park because we did everything we did to test it, pressure test it and simulate it in, in the race as much as we could, that all it was was just a routine exercise at that point. When he took the line, it was there wasn't anxiety, there wasn't stress. It was just executing on, on, on what he had been prepping for and all the micro goals that he hit to get that larger goal at the end of the line. We'll get back to the interview in just a minute. This episode is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous. The B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard. You just need a guide and the right set of tools. Head on over to b2bleadersacademy.com to join and become the leader you've always wanted to be. Now let's get back to the interview. I'm curious about this eight-week focus time. I can track that was the appropriate time to build the conditioning and do the work and whatnot. Is that a core you know, time frame that you look at when you're looking at working with leaders in your org, or do you adjust it based on the situation? How do you, how do you manage that time frame of focus to get to each milestone? It's super transferable in terms of leadership. It's your new goals can always be daunting no matter the time frame, but when you break them down, show progress and reflect on the learnings, that's the key. So with how I work with a lot of leaders on my team is we do annual goals just like a lot of companies do. So we'll have an annual, since we're in customer success, we want to see a reduction in churn. We want to see an increase in upsell. It's great. Let's say it's 5%. I'll go to our, our director of CS and say, our goal is going to be, we want to see a reduction in 5% of churn going into the year. The reaction is always like, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> the eyes <laughs> get real big and they're like, how am I going to do that? Is, that sounds like Mount Everest to be completely honest, Sean. It's like, what do I do? Okay. So let's, let's take that situation. What happens next? Exactly. So that's where you start thinking about, okay, how are we going to like, let's break the time period up because we can't do this overnight. We need to assess what are our first, what are our opportunities when we're looking at this goal? Like there are big rocks, there are little rocks, and then there's sand. What are the biggest rocks we can look at? So the impact is the highest and the, the lift is the lowest. So if we remove that biggest one, we know we can do X, Y, Z 
to get to like 2% of that number. Now that turns into whether it's a micro goal in a quarter or an initiative, we're now able to break that apart into, into different pieces. So now we're starting to get a framework for what's that path and what's that going to look like in the next 90 days or the next 180 days. So that way, what, what you'll be able to do is now go to the team and also say with confidence, we have a, an org goal of 5% reduction. Here's how we're going to impact it with our team. And here's how you individually are going to impact that. And here's how we're going to do the first part of this. And here's how we're going to know we're making progress. That knowing we're making progress is super, super important. Breaking down those tangible goals because you don't want to be in a situation where you're in Q4 and 5% is just impossible because then you're scrambling. Everest mountain just starts going climbing up. You're like, wait, that didn't look so big a little bit ago, but it is. So the know you're making progress, this is an interesting area that I know can be a challenge across the board, especially in a long-term thing like customer success and working with customers and anything customer related in the SaaS world. Like we're working on 12, 24 and 36 month cycles with our customers, really big and long. So can you share a little bit about how to take you know something that is perhaps a little bit outside of your team's control in some areas, like churn, right? There's things come from product, from sales, from ops, from CS too, of course. But how do you break that down to know you're making progress when the big measurement of churn doesn't actually happen for another 10 months? Yeah, I'm going to actually use this as an example of a lot of customers, and this is very common in a lot of companies, when you ask your customers, like, what goals are we looking to impact? And they're like, I don't really know. Or I want to impact revenue. And it's like, wow, that's two years out. We have a lot of work to do. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the way I always look at this is it is a sequence of events. I mean, you have to look at the leading indicators. So with a customer specifically, or even like if we're doing an internal thing, like one we need to have a plan, and part of that plan is there are going to be specific milestones or the leading indicators we want to hit. So in software, I'm going to use a really basic example. So when you buy a new piece of software, what's super important is, one, you have the right vision. So making sure we're aligned with the customer on why we're doing this in the first place. Then we can really focus on, okay, great. We know why we're here now we have to figure out how are we going to get to your goal that's still way over here. Adoption is that next thing because without adoption and without reoccurring usage, you'll never get to impact. And then once you start getting reoccurring adoption, it's more about like monitoring and adjusting and fine tuning because maybe that first strategy you deployed or that first business process change or whatever you may have done didn't work out. And maybe there's ways to like double down or capitalize on that. So that's where you're starting to get into these incremental things that are a little bit more fluid and based off of the situation, but it is still getting you each milestone closer to where you ultimately want to be. And if revenue impact is that, that's where you can go. You know, like a sales pipeline, you need a lead that turns into an opportunity that turns into a progressed opportunity that then closes into a close one revenue. Well, and it's really interesting. And I think sales is a great analogy here. And because the, the science of sales has in significantly increased in the last 15 to 20 years, absolutely 100% in the SaaS world. The numbers, the metrics, the measurements, the stages in the pipeline, and CS, in complete honesty, is pretty far behind that level of sophistication in this. But what you're describing is something very similar. 
right? There are there are stages of a renewal that start at the day one of the contract, right? That critical piece of, of bringing customer on board and, and aligning with them on goals and then mapping out a plan and doing the same thing. Everything you're talking about here, I'm getting the sense that you could use this same map and same, you know, conceptual framework for how to attack something big, like the, you know, seemingly huge churn reduction goal. But you could apply that to work with an individual customer, given that you're on a long-term time horizon too. Is that a fair assessment there? 100%. Yeah. It's all kind of breaking it down, simplifying it, and just making it digestible and easy for someone to understand. They have to understand the journey and the story. Sometimes staring at the mountains is hard. (laughs) You know, sometimes this comes naturally to people to be able to break a big thing down into smaller bite-sized chunks and understand that you need discrete time, periods of time. The eight-week example in your track and field case, the, you know, quarter example or month example, whatever it is in the customer success space. So what advice would you have for someone who maybe this doesn't necessarily come naturally to take something big and just be able to strategically break it down into pieces and kind of have this approach, even though it sounds fascinating, like granted, like what advice would you have for somebody getting started or maybe they've attempted to do this kind of work before, but never really felt like it hit or they went through the uh, the inevitable OKR overhaul from the org that happens frequently and nobody ever does that really well. So what advice would you have for somebody just getting started to make this a smoother process? Yeah, 100%. I'm actually going to steal something I learned at my last company. If folks follow David Cancel or, or Dave Gearhart or anyone like that, you'll hear probably hear this one. It's definitely something that has helped me a lot. It's just the power of inverting things. So you have a goal. Now flip it on its head and figure out, okay, we have a goal of climbing Mount Everest. Great. We have to get to base camp three. Okay. Well, how do we get there? Like in just breaking it backwards. And that is the easiest way to start thinking about, okay. This actually is attainable and you'll start getting that, that rough framework of those milestones, whether they're the right milestones or not, that's where you'll come back to it and iterate on that. But just being able to say, I have this goal, here are all the things I need to do to get there by working backwards makes it a lot easier and it's a lot less scary because if you just try to go forward and this is natural in like a customer journey is like well i just need to get you live so oh what do i do after you go live you you said you wanted revenue you didn't get revenue yet you don't have adoption (laughs) that's where like people fall into the trap sometimes so i've always found a really good strategy or tactic is to invert the problems um, or invert the goals i've been a consultant in the cs space for long 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 time and every single session i do with a client working through mapping customer journey and just building a whole system, whether it's retooling the existing one or building something new. The first thing is always, where are we going? And it is working backwards. So I have been, I love the way you articulated that, that the going forward isn't going to get you there. Going backward is actually a lot easier. If you know the destination and you can clearly articulate what that destination is, 5% reduction in churn, the sub X time on this race, the pace at this point, whatever it is, then working back, well, if that's the case, what do, I, what do I have to do right before that? And then if that's the case, what do I have to do right before that? And there's something different about going backwards, even if it's fictitious and made up in your mind, than there is going forwards. Any insight into why that is? Anything you've learned in the, on the track and field like that I don't understand why it's so difficult to go forward, but it's really easy to start at the end and go when working right back. 
this is something I, I work with some of my endurance athletes on that's separate from track and field. So a lot of folks come and, and say, I want to run like a three hour marathon. I'm like, great. Have you run a marathon before? No. Okay. <laughs> Let's think about that goal and start there. So when you run a marathon, you're running like first, the goal is just to run a marathon. I have not run 26 miles. That's the goal. <laughs> so, okay. I need to at least run 20 miles and then I need to run 15 miles. So now you're thinking about all of these key milestones versus if you're just starting to think about, I want to run a marathon. You're like, I don't even know where to begin. But when you think about it from the, like just finishing the race, you're like, oh, I need to run 26 miles. That's a lot of mileage that I haven't thought about how to actually plan for it. So you're going to find that really fast. It's the same thing with like the time goals too. It's like, I want to run a three hour marathon. Okay. What have I run in the past? Have I run that in the past? What's the Delta? And then you can start building a plan pretty easily. That's really interesting. And just hearing you articulate that I don't run marathons, but I can see how much easier it is to think about it from the, from the end point and working backwards. Okay. Well, if I can run, I got to run 26. So before that I have to run 20. Okay. Before that I got to run 15. Okay. Before that I run 10. Oh, I've run 10. Yeah. That's no problem. Okay. I could start with my baseline there and then kind of work my way um, and know what the milestones are. So that's exactly. absolutely fascinating. And you can even layer in like, now I know what's a good basis, like a good checkpoint for me for running a half marathon mid, mid cycle. So naturally you start thinking of those things. Huh. That's really, that's wonderful. Great, great advice there on the, the long-term, starting with the long-term view, like what's the end destination or even not even destination, just milestone. What's the milestone to hit? Cause the, that marathon you run in whatever time, like that's not going to be the only marathon you run most likely. So it might be if you only had one day of planning. That's, that is fair. <laughs> if you tried to conquer Everest in a day and you tried to run a marathon without doing it before, you probably wouldn't get out of bed for a few days, but exactly. Yeah. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. So this whole process of, you know, goal setting is ingrained within your organization, something you work with your leaders on, you have worked with your track and field athletes on. I'm curious for your advice on, you know, this is a hard challenging thing like we were talking about before. So for, you know, people who are inside of organizations who maybe don't have a ton of structure and maybe don't have someone like yourself who is really good at setting goals and is leading the department in this way and making it very clear how to break everything down. What advice would you give to somebody in that kind of a situation? Because I know there's lots of people listening who are, you know, in varying degrees, different places when it comes to goals in the org. You know, do they focus on just themselves and goals for them? Do they try to influence other parts of the team or leadership? Like, where should they even begin? Yeah, with goal setting, there's a few key elements to keep it super simple. And I always say, start with yourself, test it out, and then start start sharing, like, sharing the stories. Like I set this goal and I hit this objective. Let's do this as a team now. So a few key elements to, to a successful goal setting. One, always write it down in the visible place so you can see it every single day. Share that goal with someone. It's about keeping yourself accountable. If you don't share it, you don't have accountability. So right. it's easy to let it go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Create a goal for yourself, write it down, share it with someone. Now you have that it's not, it's healthy anxiety. It's like, now, you know, you've committed to doing it. Could be a friend, could be a boss, could be a customer. And then finally, like the last thing I always said, it's, that's important. And this is generally the harder one is you need a unit of measurement. So this will help keep track of how are you making that in incremental progress to that goal. 
if I want to run a mile next month without walking at all, great. How many minutes am I spending or how many mileage am I spending each week running? And that's going to show me my progress week over week to my ultimate goal of being able to run my first mile end to end without stopping. So keep it simple. It's like write it down, tell someone and find something that you can measure on it. That way you can look at it, whether it's week over week, day over day, month over month. Perfect. I love those simple steps, right? That's simple. Simple is the key. It's the only thing that people will do, right? Because if we made this too complex, if you went into a whole OKR kind of conversation here, nobody would have any idea what to do. Be like, this is like what they told us at our company meeting and it didn't make any sense. So <laughs> let me break it down. Just write it down. Share it with somebody. Then yes. you know you're actually Post committed. And find a unit of measurement. Yeah, you're holding up a post-it note for those listening to the audio version. Holding up post-it notes, they're great. And just stick it on the wall. Stick it in multiple places sometimes. Even probably helps a ton too. Put it right on the mirror in your bathroom. You're going to see that every single day and you're going to reflect on it too. Yeah, and you can't get away from yourself if you put it in front of yourself all the time, right? Whereas if you don't put it there, it's really easy just to pass the buck and be like, ah, I got kind of busy. I'm not going to do that. And this same approach, you know, I can clearly see how you would apply this to running an incredible business review or executive business review or a renewal or an expansion with a customer. It's the same process, right? Exactly. It's write that one goal down. So for example, if you want to do this common thing I see with, with customer success managers, even on my team is I want to have a business review of every single customer. It's like, great. Well, find out what, what do they want out of that? And how do they want that engagement? Do they want it to be a meeting or do they want it to be an email or a video? Find out that answer and your goal should be of your 30 customers, find that answer. That's your first goal. Then you can think about how you improve on it after that too. Love it. And just one step at a time because trying to do a business review in whatever form with all of your 30 customers, you're not going to get it on the last day of the quarter. That's for sure. And if you leave it till the end and just react to the, you know, ad hoc issues that come up, you're going to probably not make a whole lot of progress, but being disciplined, writing it down, being committed, sharing it with somebody, and then keeping it front and center and having a unit of measurement every week. How many more did I find out what the right right uh, engagement model is for this business review? Boom. You can know whether or not you're making progress. Awesome. All right, Sean, last question here. If you could go back in time, sit down with yourself, perhaps in that uh, early collegiate career on the track and field, and you know everything you know now, all the people you've helped, all the goal setting you've done, all the incredible stuff, getting to VP of CS position. And you could sit down with your younger self and give yourself some advice. What would you share? It's funny because we did talk about this earlier. The biggest piece of advice I would share, and I think this is a, a lot of folks struggle with, is to be, to be a leader and to grow into a leadership position, whether it's in athletics or if it's in business, is it's not about you. It's about everyone around you. Collectively, your results are based off of the team. And if the team can collectively do better, you are viewed as better, whether that's in business, athletics, whatever it may be. I think that's something definitely learned it as we, we saw here today. I wish I could have learned that even earlier in my life because I just think that is so powerful. And it's such an aha moment um, once you do, do learn that. Yeah, wonderful advice and has been that sentiment as I certainly believe that 100% had to learn that myself as well. Virtually every other guest on this podcast has said something similar to that effect. So from a leadership perspective, it's not about you. 
Just remember that, right? Sean said it. I've said it. Every other guest has said it. It's going to be a common theme with every guest in the future too. I can pretty much guarantee it. But it's wonderful to know those simple things, right? It's not about you. That's not terribly complex in on the surface. And it's about, well, how if, if that was true, what could I do differently? How would I set my goals differently? What are the targets that I would go after? And that's really what it's all about. Wonderful. All right, Sean, it has been an absolute blast to spend some time talking with you today about leadership, your work in track and field, how it translates into the business world. Thank you so much for sharing your incredible insights, wisdom, and advice, and look forward to hearing about all the incredible things that you and the team at Alice are doing. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me today. My pleasure. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the B2B Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd welcome you to subscribe and give the show a five-star review. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at b2bleadershippodcast.com. As always, I'm Nils Vinya, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Take care and have a great rest of your day. This podcast is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous. And the B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard. You just need a guide and the right set of tools. So head on over to B2BLeadersAcademy.com to join and become the leader you have always wanted to be.